What's up, everyone? It's Judith Ago. You're listening to Mad Love. It is not uh, morning, so I'm not saying good morning, everyone. Um, it's Situational Sunday. Thought I forgot, didn't you? Well, I'm going to tweak it. I'm not going to read my whole screenplay. I love my screenplay. Um, it's special to me, but, but mainly because it just signifies a really cool time in my life. Uh, where I was utterly miserable, but I was uh, still learning how to write and chasing this dream. And and I just didn't get the memo that was going to be so hard um, and all of that. (laughs) But uh, I I caution people all the time and not be too precious with their art. But I also don't want to, I mean, I've protected it for all these years. I don't want to lessen or cheapen it because I'm not an actor. You know, but I, I will, um, if people want to, you know, if you guys are really that invested, I'm going to introduce you to this world. And if you care about what happens to those characters, I can make the script available on Medium or something. I can release some pages there or whatever. I just need to know that this is something that people really want. Um, even better than that is if you could talk about it or uh, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing because, uh, you know, all of this gets so much easier if I had time. I'll be honest, the biggest reason, well, two part, I don't want to bastardize my own screenplay, but also I don't want to be doing this podcast six days a week and commit to that. <laughs> you know, I am a full time caregiver, a full time employee and I run my own business and I try to have a life. Um, that's a lot and it's okay to not be okay. (laughs) And uh, I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me or anything, but I am pulled in a lot of different directions. I don't have a lot of time for nonsense or games or manipulations, uh, or, you know, I, I just don't have time to waste on anything or anyone. Um, I need to be treated well. I needed, I'm going off on other things, but you know, I needed, I need to feel a certain way. And when I start feeling tired or pulled or stressed, then it has to go, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I was thinking about, it. I'm like, dude, you're not getting paid. Like, this is not your full-time job. There's no way you could commit to that schedule. Um, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm so busy. I have to remind myself to podcast. Like, I don't want to do that. I'm yawning. It is not morning. It's cold as I don't know what here, though. I mean, I don't know how people live in Alaska. Like, it's dark and cold. I hear Toronto's like that. At least that's the way Drake describes it. But I still want to go there. Because <laughs> they have everything I need in a city. They got a music scene. They got a film scene. Uh, things get done there. It's diverse. Uh, people film. You know, yeah, sounds good. All right. So, uh, like I said, I'm not going to read the whole script, but I am committing to getting started. So um, the title of the script is Adore. It is by me. And it is, gosh, it's pretty old. And I found the old, well, I found the oldest version that I still have because I didn't really come up with the idea of trying to make it a contemporary 90s movie until recently. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm just going to give you a a taste. This Situational Sunday, I do want to do something on Situational Sunday, just not every week, and I certainly don't want it to be my screenplay. 
Um, I started this script in 1987. Uh, this version of it came to life in February of 1992. Um, what I think is most interesting about it. So you got to understand, I wrote it because it was not unlike anything I'd ever seen at that time. It, uh, my screenwriting professor at Howard was, uh, highly Garima. He made some very interesting and powerful um, impressions on me as a screenwriter. I think my whole class and all the classes he's taught. And I had that energy going. Um, You know, it was about being young. It was about being black. It was about being educated. And how those things were not so unique that they had to be what the movie was about. See what I'm saying? So... If you just describe Cosby's show, and this was before Bill Cosby's issues, if you just describe the Cosby show as a as an American family, uh, you know, mom and dad dealing with kids, period, it, you could describe it that way. Of course, most people would describe it as a black family, but you didn't have to, you know? And so that was where... I think we had gotten to the place where that was a luxury, where we just didn't have to leave with black as a descriptor. And I know everybody's going to, not everybody, but all these woke people are going to have an issue with that. But to me, that's real progress. To me, the day we don't have to to <laughs> say, hey, it's the first black blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's when we've, we've made it. Now we're moving on. Like, that's when we know. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's that's the energy and I hadn't seen anything like that. There there wasn't a lot of sophistication out there. There wasn't a lot of you know, it was it was a lot of kinds of movies out there, but it w- really wasn't anything I had recognized as uh either my own experience or something that I was aspiring to. And that's what this is. And it's named after the Prince song because it was fire. All right. So I'm going to start. I'm not an actor, but I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Fade in. Exterior downtown morning. It is morning rush hour in St. Louis. The stream of cars flooding downtown makes it known that the workday has officially begun. Exterior streets, same time. People are crossing the street as cars wait anxiously to turn. Exterior, St. Louis Bread Company, same time. Yes, that's the real name of the, of Pan- Panera. It's uh, actually called St. Louis Bread Company. All right, patrons are seated inside, reading newspaper, drinking coffee. Um, Basically, that's just like a setup, an establishing thing. And again, here we go with some more. Exterior, Tracy Scott's building, establishing. So we establish that the main character's name is Tracy Scott, and we're outside his building after we see people, you know, getting ready for their workday downtown. Interior, Tracy Scott's apartment, same time. This building used to be an old warehouse. Now it houses several large lofts. This particular space is a tastefully deco- is tastefully decorated with artwork. It could be featured in architect- architectural digest. I think I'm getting nervous. Interior, Tracy Scott's bedroom, same time. In the dimly lit bedroom, a shirtless Tracy Scott Bishop, 30, is still in bed. He turns over. It becomes obvious that this man is also a work of art, tall and athletic, he puts you in the frame of mind of a certain rapper turned TV star turned mega movie star. After a brief moment, the clock reads in glowing red, 6.30. Okay. At some point, I guess I thought Will Smith might be the lead. 
Oh, man. I should stop interrupting, but that's funny. All right. The alarm goes off. Tracy Scott sits up, turns off the alarm, and wipes his eyes. His dog, Raphael, stares impatiently at him for a moment before jumping around, doing the early morning take-me-outside dance. He stands, momentarily naked, before slipping into pajama bottoms. He walks over to the window and lifts the shade, flooding the bedroom with light. Interior, Tracy Scott's kitchen. Later, Tracy Scott enters the room dressed in the suit and tie fastening his watch. He is finally ready for work. He goes to a cabinet, opens it. There is every vitamin in the free world on this particular shelf. He grabs three bottles, takes a pill from each before returning them to the shelf exactly the way he found them. He grabs a carton of orange juice from the refrigerator. He takes a swallow directly from the container. Gross. Takes the vitamins. He returns the juice to the fridge. He checks his watch. Hurriedly, he grabs his briefcase. Exits. Suddenly, he reenters. He walks back into the kitchen where Raphael sits expectantly at his dish. Tracy Scott places food in the dog's dish, kisses him, and once again exits. Huh. That's interesting. So... Not to, not to, you know, interject here, but I'm gonna, because I can. Um, so when you hear those kinds of things, the challenge of, of a screenwriter is to create a world where you don't get the luxury of all these words. Like, I go heavy in my descriptions, um, mainly because I want the actors to know that I put a lot of thought into it. There's reasons why the characters do what they do. And, you know, there's something to be said for somebody who's meticulous about their space. He's clearly anal, but he loves his dog. You know, that could be contradictory. Um, And he kisses his dog and he's into, you know, those little, that's a little sweet thing to do. But he does drink directly out of the juice container, which is gross. So, you know, as a writer, you're trying to just create a world where, you know, like I said, people won't get to see all of this. The the actor has to read the script and look into that uh, lens of what I just put on this page and see something there that they can grab onto. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. So, anyway, that's just one page. Uh, <laughs> here we go. I'm going to read a little bit more. Uh, so we go we go with him to his office. So interior Tracy Scott's office later. Tracy opens his office door. His assistant Elaine quickly follows. She's in her mid-40s, but looks like she's in her mid-50s. Also, even though she's lived in St. Louis for years, she's also managed to ma- maintain her Brooklyn accent. Morning, Tracy. You've gotten two calls from a Mr. Jeremy Ward, and you have a lunch date with... Tracy Scott cuts her off as she hands him his mail. Good morning, Elaine. Make reservations at Morton's for 1 o'clock, please, and get Jeremy on the line in 15. Thanks. One of these mornings, I'm going to get everything out there so we can quit playing catch-up. Which is funny. I think I must have uh, based this off of one of my relatives. (laughs) But I'm not sure. Anyway, Tracy Scott, what's wrong? Elaine, I just want to do my job. Tracy Scott, and you did it. Elaine, so it's you, not me. Tracy Scott, listen... Slow progress is still progress. Elaine, off of Tracy. There's a case review meeting at 11. Tracy's got cool. Elaine places a pile of folders and newspapers on his desk. She's about to exit. He stops and goes, Elaine, let's go out sometime. And she looks at him. She's over it already. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. She's pissed. Are you kidding? Tracy's got, I've seen the way you look at me while I make photocopies. What's up? 
Elaine, as if you even know how to make a photocopy. Elaine is not amused, which only amuses Tracy more. Tracy Scott, I mean, you know, this thing I feel between us, it can't be denied. I say, let's just roll with it, Elaine. I see, I could sue you. It's not like I don't know where to find a lawyer. Tracy Scott, you're tough, Laney. You're tough. Elaine, no incoming calls until Tracy Scott after lunch. Elaine, done. Here's your callback list. Starting with Mr. Ward in 15 minutes. Elaine places the list on his desk. Exit. Exits the room. Tracy Scott calling out, Elaine. Elaine pops her head inside the door because, you know, after all, she's still his employee. <laughs> yes. Come on now. Don't be mad. Scared I'm really going to take you to court, huh? Yeah, well, that would definitely put us behind schedule. Elaine, enough with your funny business, Tracy Scott. I'm too old for funny business. Tracy Scott's expression resembles the class clown who is grateful to the one other kid in the room who thinks his jokes are funny. So he kind of humbly offers, thank you, Elaine. Elaine nods and closes the door. Tracy pulls off his jacket, loosens his tie, puts on his glasses, delves into the many files on his desk. Exterior, street, dusk. The day is done. Friday night, traffic has begun. Interior, Tracy Scott's office, same time. Tracy Scott peruses a stack of papers while he stares at the pie charts and graphs across the computer screen. A female co-worker stops at Tracy's door. She occupies the office next to his. Co-worker, drinks on me. Uh, yum. I, can I pick which part of you I would like to drink mine from? Okay, maybe I should have led with I'm buying instead. You're so nasty. Now you don't like it? Oh, look at me with the red parte. Uh, <laughs> so he goes, oh, so now you don't like it? Yeah, that's probably more like it. And then she offers a place. Casey's holding a spot at the bar for us. You in? I got to finish wrapping some things up. I can't believe you don't have anyone better to do on a Friday night. Tracy checks his watch. Are you offering? And then the coworker goes, and you have you stomp on my heart again? <sighs> Good night. Calling out, hey, selective memory. What? As I recall, you didn't even stick around long enough to kiss me goodbye. See, he talks shit. And then she scoffs. Please, like you really noticed. Tracy Scott, it's true. You kind of used me. <laughs> That's a good one. The coworker, you know, you're kind of like staring at the sun. And Tracy smiles. Oh, yeah? Because he thinks that's a compliment. And then she offers, yeah, it's hard not to, but you just should never, ever do it. Tracy's smile fades slightly. Have a good weekend. And then he goes, yeah, you too. They have history, obviously. See, don't sleep with your coworkers. It's, it's not good, kids. We hear the elevator arrive. Tracy Scott is still trying to figure out if he was insulted or not when the phone rings. He answers, yeah. It's his brother, Griffin. What kind of way is that to answer the phone? What up, G? That's what I want to know. What are you talking about, man? My party. Happy hour. Hello. Tracy Scott grimaces. Oh, man, I completely forgot. I'm sorry, Griffin. Come on. Everyone's asking about you. I don't know, Griffin. I'm, I'm really tired. Tracy yawns for effect. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> then he goes, I don't want to hear it. You said you could make it two weeks ago. 
I know what I said. I'm just not up for a party tonight. I, I got hung up in meetings all afternoon. And now I'm, how does it look to my clients if I can't even get my own brother to show up? Your clients don't know me. I talk about you all the time. They know you. Beat, which means a pause. Okay, Griffin, I'll be there. Thanks, Tracy Scott. Thank yourself. You guilted me into it. Hey, that's what family is for. I can tell you right now who Griffin is based on, but I won't. Tracy mocks a smile into the phone. uh, And then basically just like, goodbye, Griffin. Tracy Scott hangs up the phone, drops his head on his desk. Listen, he loves his family, but that's not what he wants to do on a Friday night is go to his brother's happy hour. And um, let's see. I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's a good stopping point. (laughs) So, yeah, a big part of who he is is family. A big part of who he is is a flirt. You know, you've learned a lot in like two or three pages. He he takes his work semi-seriously. Uh, it takes a minute to get into it, but once he's into it, he's really into it. He's responsible. He's a grown-up in a lot of ways. Um, his brother is a unique person because he's got such a big personality, but I think it's telling that they're so close and that he's going to his house on a Friday for a party. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's the beginning. Um that's a lot of that is what I knew at that time in my life, which was family. I was always with my family. Um, and a, a lot of that seeps into this screenplay. I think it's very much a um, a woman's story, which would have offended me or upset me uh, when I wrote this. But in the be- you know, in the beginning. But now I'm proud of that. I'm a girl's girl. <laughs> I want I'm a romantic. I want. I want the girl to get the best guy and all that. And I want them to make it to the end and be a happy couple. Although I don't think that's what happens at the end of this. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I work really hard on my dialogue and, you know, yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, that's just a tease. <laughs> Situational Sundays is a tease. But that's the opening of the screenplay. Those first few pages. And uh, basically, we meet a hardworking attorney who's a bit of a flirt, who's a family guy. But, you know, he, he's trying to chase some tail. He is not trying to go hang out at his brother's house on a Friday night. <laughs> he's young. He's good looking. Yeah, you got some money, you know. So anyway, that's it. Uh, if you guys are intrigued or want to know more, let me know. I'll find a way to put this up on Medium or something. Uh, post it. You know, but I'm going to find something to talk about when I do appear on Situational Sunday. I just cannot commit to reading an entire screenplay every Sunday. That was ambitious. Um, You know, when I get a production team and a production budget, (laughs) we can do more creative things. But right now it's like, whew, it's taking on a lot because now I got I got to, you know, get ready for tomorrow's show when I wake up and figure out what we're going to talk about then. Um. And I'm going to do that because I want to, so much has happened over the weekend, y'all already know. And it's Valentine's Day, or as I, my, not my kids, but growing up, kids around me used to say Valentine's. I'm not sure why. (laughs) Happy Valentine's. So happy Valentine's Day to you and yours and whoever you love, you know. 
I feel very strongly you should love me every day because I'm fantastic and I give everything every day. So if you have any love for me ever, please don't just save it up for this one damn day. But that's just me. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me. Uh, As usual, it's brief because that's what I do. Please take care of yourselves. Be your best. Have a beautiful, lovely night. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, And we'll meet in the morning. All right. Cool. Thank you.